Today's podcast is sponsored by June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game which transports you into a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance set in the glamorous 1920s. You'll play as June Parker as she embarks on a quest to solve her sister's murder. But that's not all. You'll let your imagination run wild as you get to customize your own luxurious estate island with expensive gardens and beautiful buildings. So, can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Alright, hello everybody. Today is Monday, another Zodiac Monday. Welcome to the show. How's everybody doing? I hope everyone had a good weekend. And just a couple of quick announcements and reminders before we begin. The first is that this show is available for free downloads at Launchpad 1. There's a link to that in the description box. And you can download the audio version as a pure podcast. Take it on the go, anywhere and anyhow. If you would like to download the video version with the images, you can use YouTube Premium. But that one you have to pay for, Launchpad 1, is free. And there are several different episodes that come out on this channel. On Wednesdays, I've been doing a regular segment about the New Orleans Axeman, an unidentified serial killer who operated in the early part of the 20th century, and I think there are a lot of parallels between the Axeman story and the case of the Zodiac Killer, so if you'd like to hear more about that, please tune in on Wednesdays. And on Fridays, the Anything Goes segment, the day when any subject is fair game. Last week, on the Anything Goes Friday, I did an episode about making a murderer, the story of Stephen Avery and his nephew, Brendan Dassey, and their involvement in the 2005 murder of Teresa Hallback. I was about to say alleged involvement, but they were indeed convicted of that case. And I did a book discussion on Convicting Avery by Michael D. Ciccini. And I've never quite read a book like this before because it's very heavy on the legal legalese, like on the language that lawyers use, and it talks a lot about the justice system, and it's very, very technical, but it was written in a very casual, light-hearted way. It was almost as if you were sitting down in a cafe or a restaurant and having a conversation with a lawyer. So if anyone would like to check out the book discussion available here on this channel about convicting Avery, I would invite you to listen. And this episode is going to be referring to a lot of info that came out over the weekend. I did a bonus episode talking about a new possible suspect in the Zodiac Killer mystery. But before I go any further, I'd like to remind you guys that you can support this show at buymeacoffee.com. There's a link to that in the description box. And that allows you to make a donation or contribution to help support any of these efforts. And everyone who makes a donation will get a shout-out on Zodiac Mondays. One more time buymeacoffee.com slash blackboxnet88, but the easiest way to find it is by going into the description box. So, I was corresponding with someone who had a new Zodiac Killer suspect, as well as theories involving the ciphers, and I've shared some of them on the channel before. He uses the internet name Sphere the Cube, commonly known as Sphere. And I would like to devote this episode to responding to your questions and comments about a new possible Zodiac Killer discovery, because it's not just that he's proposing a suspect, oh no. It's that it's centered on possible pieces of writing that may have been written by the Zodiac Killer. That's why the new weekend series on this channel is going to be called Zodiac Killer New Discovery The Moraga Letters. The Moraga Letters referring to these pieces of writing, and it's new discovery with a question mark, because the true ambition of it is just to ask you guys, 
you in the comments section, no matter who you are, what do you think about it? And what do you think about his suspect? What do you think about his solutions to the ciphers? What do you think about his observations on the case? And the majority of the substance material is coming from him. Yes, I'm giving my opinion, but he provided the content that I am discussing available to the show. And as I believe, I'm only on Black Box Online Radio. But uh, Sphere's suspect is named Robert Volvens. That's an alias. He was born in 1947. He was six feet or maybe six feet one inches tall. And the Zodiac Killer was a serial killer who operated in 1968 and 69 in California. He committed a crime spree that began on December 20th of 1968 and concluded on October 11th of 1969 with the murder of Paul Stein, his final victim. But then there are other possible crimes, such as the uh, attempted abduction of Kathleen Johns off of Highway Route 132, and that was in March of 1970. The um, disappearance of Donna Lass could have been Zodiac-related, which was in September 6th of 1970. And then there are the pre-Zodiac crimes, going all the way back to the murder of Ray Davis in 1962 in Oceanside, California. So no one truly knows when the Zodiac Killer first began operating and when the crimes concluded. But I, before we get into the discussion on Robert Volvins and your comments on that episode. Again, there's a new weekend series called Zodiac Killer New Discovery the Moraga Letters. I have a Zodiac Killer challenge question for you that comes to us from James K. He sent this into the Facebook page. Anybody can write the show at my personal Facebook, which is in the description box. There's also a BBOR Facebook page. And it says, Ned, I watch BBOR on YouTube. I like your show because it is well-balanced, and I like how you can be objective. I have a question for you. Has anyone ever considered the possibility that the Zodiac Killer may have applied for the position of a police officer and was rejected? I mean, um, that's a very, very good challenge question. I'll give that to James. This could explain his obsession with local law enforcement and the SFPD. Just a thought. Thanks. And, uh, James Gay, much um, appreciated. I really think that that's a good question for the following reason. So many people point out how the Zodiac Killer did not like police officers, that he refers to them as the blue meanies, and he also just is trying to make a mockery of the police officers. He's writing in these taunting letters that are just talking about how he's going to commit these crimes and not get caught because the police will never catch him because he has been too clever. And that's the real reason why the Zodiac Killer mystery is even discussed to this day, because someone chose to create a persona. It isn't just something like the Phantom Killer of 1946, where some crimes were committed and there's this hooded serial killer that was witnessed doing them. No, the Zodiac wanted to take credit for the crimes. He wanted to announce it to the world. And he also wanted to directly taunt law enforcement by calling them in saying that if you go one mile east on the Columbus Parkway, you're going to find some kids shot in a car, in a brown car. And the Zodiac is first doing that, then he's going to compose letters and cryptograms and ciphers. But why taunt the police? Why taunt the media? Well, the first thing we have to remember is that the police and the media were very closely intertwined at the time. And that, I mean, you got reporters at the crime scenes and you got police at the crime scenes. Maybe they're still even somewhat intertwined in that respect to this day. But I think that um, Jim was asking this question 
in a different way. Could the reason that the Zodiac seems to be so sour about law enforcement is because he was rejected by them? I think it's a very strong possibility. In the past, I was more leaning toward the Zodiac Killer being a member of law enforcement, being a police officer, someone who knew how crime scenes were going to be investigated, somebody who knew how the police were going to operate, how long it took to get from point A to point B, and it's more like the Golden State Killer mystery when the criminal is using his training from law enforcement against them. I mean, the Golden State Killer, Joseph D'Angelo, was a member of an anti-burglary task force, and what did he do? He burglarized people's homes. And then you have other examples, such as Roger Kibbe, the I-5 Strangler, who wasn't a member of law enforcement himself. He was the um, manager-slash-business uh, partner in a furniture store, but his brother was. So he would ask a bunch of questions to his brother and extract information out of him and then use that to be a serial killer. So that type of behavior is also very um, present. But that's just what I was thinking about, like um, insider knowledge. I think that um, Jim's question, though, is going down a different route. And that is that, has anyone considered that the Zodiac may have applied to be a police officer? and was rejected. I certainly have not talked about that theory on the channel before, so my answer is I have not, but I think it's um, a very thoughtful question, and I appreciate how you think, Jim, because there could always be something there, and that's a reasonable question as opposed to some of these far-out things. But even though there are far-out theories that involve law enforcement, I will explore them. Back when I was doing the three-part series on Richard Hoffman as a Zodiac Killer suspect, I found that um, someone had created this theory about how there was a policeman thrill-kill club and that Richard Hoffman was the Blue Rock Springs shooter and other police officers committed the other Zodiac crimes. And it was just that, like everything that we said before, using their knowledge against the general public. And um, makes it they're making it seem like the Zodiac is taunting the police by calling in the, the crimes or writing a message on the car door after the Lake Berryessa stabbing, but in reality it's just a bunch of cops who committed a crime and knew how to cover their tracks so they wouldn't get caught. That's a bit far out, but I'll absolutely discuss stuff like that here on this channel. And um, I invite you to listen to my three-part series on Richard Hoffman, although it is more in the older black box recording style. It's done in the more pure podcast format, but there are more than a thousand episodes of Black Box Online Radio, so I invite you to check some of them out. But to get to the heart and soul of today's Zodiac Killer news report, this is indeed a news report because we're talking about a new possible discovery. And I'm going to be asking you guys all the questions, as well as reading your comments, because the focus of the weekend series, the Moraga Letters, is to find out what do people think. That's all it is. I mean, do you think that there is any ounce of credibility in Sphere's findings? Or do you think that he is mistaken? And if you're going to respond to that, I beg you, please provide the reasons, the why and the why not. State what you genuinely think and don't hold anything back. The worst case scenario would be is that I'm going to disagree with you. But again, his suspect's name is Robert Volvins. He was well-rounded in his education. He had a background in engineering and the hard sciences, as well as surveying, but also in lighter subjects such as linguistics 
he was from the Midwest, but he was going to college in California. And the suspect, who's 21, 22 years old, yes, this is at college age, and Sferi had a letter that stated that he was not coming home for Christmas in 1968, around the time of the Lake Herman Road murders. But the thing that I truly want to know from you guys, and I should have introduced the Moraga Letter series by just saying this, when you look at the handwriting samples that are on the screen now, is this the writing of the Zodiac Killer? I mean, please, what do you think? Because I thought that this was one of the stronger points, and that was that it has the Zodiac's tilt to the left, as well as some bending in the vertical lines. Tilt to the right, excuse me, tilt to the right. I was thinking about uh, stage right and stage left and so on. But yes, it does um, have the tilt, the bending, and I just thought that it was similar to the Zodiac. I thought that these two samples in particular were very similar to the Zodiac's handwriting. And they're just little notes that were written on stationery. But to give some context for people who have not heard this, the episode on the Moraga letters yet, it turns out that these two pieces of writing that I thought were the most similar were not written by the suspect, Robert Volvins. They were actually written by his brother. And then I had to ask Sphiri when we were discussing this, whoa, 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 wait, are you trying to uh, create some type of theory when you're saying that uh, Robert Volvins was the Zodiac and he committed the murders and this other brother wrote the letters, and his response was, well, wait, Ned, you're getting ahead of yourself, you're jumping ahead in the story, and I truly wanted to just get an answer to that, and um, I will share it in just a second, but the first is that um, Sphiri then asked me, though, what did I think about his Zodiac Killer theory involving Robert Volvins and the Moraga letters and um, talking about the Zodiac ciphers, and I said that learning that the two closest examples of the handwriting were not written by his suspect, that brought me back to square one. I was like, I don't know now. I mean, I have to rethink this whole thing because, I mean, it seemed like he put somewhat of a reasonable effort into finding a suspect that matched up with a lot of the criteria. And yes, I have seen photos of this guy. We're not re releasing them because he is currently alive. He's still living to this day. But he does match the physical descriptions of um, the composite sketch, as well as the body type. And then he is in the area, not to mention that he seems like he would have had the brain for it, being involved with all those things that the Zodiac Killer is talking about. And he also had some deviant issues in his past involving abuse, and that could have manifested in some type of serial killer-related issue. But... Sphiri, um answered my question in a roundabout way. Do I think that, um, well, does he think, think that there was one killer and one letter writer? And the response I got was, he said, Ned, did you ever remember being back at school? And I said, yeah, sure. He's like, did you remember when you were, like, registering for college classes? And I said, yeah, I did. I mean, like, where are we going with this? And then he said, did you remember when you were trying to choose between do you take the history class or do you take the science class? And I was like, yes, I know what you're talking about. And you're leaning toward, oh, I really want to take the um, history class, but maybe I could take the science class. And then I thought, okay, I understand you now. I understand you that when it comes to developing his Zodiac theory, 
that he is mostly leaning toward one single person, one single perpetrator, but always keeping an open mind to possibilities, weighing the options, thinking about this or that. And if you do listen to my episode, Zodiac Killer, New Discovery, The Moraga Letters, you will hear that the Zodiac persona could have been created and crafted from just that, observing different actions from his siblings. And another example was that the Zodiac Killer mailed in the Halloween card that featured the two words slaves and paradise by rope by knife by gun by fire, and they intersect on the letter A, slaves and paradise, and Robert Fulvins's brother did that same thing, including two names on a letter to Thomas and Jean and intersects on the letter A. And the Zodiac also has misspellings in his word in his letters. He misspells words in his letters. And it might even be done for comedic effect on the part of the writer, again, entertaining himself, not the public. And the suspect's sister did the same thing. And um, I provided an example that Sferi sent me of how Robert Volans's sister spelled the word Shanghai and S-H-A-N-G-H-I-G-H-E-D. And so um, she did that purely for comedic effect. So this person could spell, but they're doing it intentionally. So things that would he, he would have been exposed to all of his life, yet he is um, incorporating different elements of his, well, his story, his life story into the Zodiac persona. Our first comment comes to us from Zodiac Killer Halloween Card, who says... Probably one of the youngest suspects at 22, Zodiac was described to be 35 to 45 by all accounts. The last 18 is interesting. Robert is a common name, like Robert Graysmith, for example. If you are claiming he is Zodiac, I'm not buying it yet. Well, thank you so much for the uh, comment, Zodiac Killer Halloween Card, who also runs a channel and has a series of uh, uploads. But as far as this... um. As far as the age, um, as again, as I, as I said once before, and to say again, he would have been 21 years old at the time of the first crime and 22 years old for the remainder of Zodiac activity. There are other Zodiac suspects who are even younger than this. Louis Myers was 17, George Senda was 17, and of course Steven Seagal. But believe it or not, in the past, I thought that we were going to be dealing with a suspect like um, Robert Fulvins, who would have been 22 years old, because I've talked a lot, lot about this on the channel, that there is a very frequent experience of criminal behavior with males aged 16 to 25. And I do have to cite the wonderful Jordan Peterson for this, but uh, Dr. Peterson talks about how there's a spike in creativity between the ages of 16 to 25 and young males, and that is completely consistent with deviant behavior, which can often be criminal behavior. I mean, I think a lot of it's tied to uh, neurochemistry and neurological functioning, and it seems like most people have accepted that. Impulses and um, hormones, and I mean, somebody even wrote in, I think, to this channel saying that I had a lot more control of my emotions at age 30 than I did at age 20, just like that. Not to mention that the the New York Zodiac copycat, Eddie Seda, was on the younger side in his early 20s. So Robert Volvins is an early 20s suspect, and he's older than some of them out there. But um, I had somewhat of a reversal on that over the course of the 
last maybe two or three years, just because when I read the Zodiac letters, my estimation was that I thought that it was from someone who was perhaps in his early 30s to early 40s, based purely on my own unprofessional opinion, talking about just the feel of the of the language, I would I would estimate it but early 30s to early 40s, but I mean, I could be wrong, it's an unsolved case. Now this part here about Robert is a common name, Robert Graysmith, for example, if you are claiming he is Zodiac, I'm not buying it. Again, to provide context, that relates to a solution that Sphere found in the Z18 code. The Zodiac Killer's first cipher was the 408, which was mostly decoded except for the final line, which had this um, block of letters, and the solution that Sphere found in that code, the Z18 as it's called, was uh, the tip, Hi, I'm Robert. First he unscrambled the letters, and then he turned the unscrambled letters into words from Pig Latin, and then he rearranged the words of Pig, the translated words in English, to say the tip, Hi, I'm Robert. Like Pig Latin, like moving the uh, sounds and syllables around. But that explanation didn't do it justice. If you want to hear it more, you can listen or rewatch or listen again to the whole episode, Zodiac Killer, the Moraga Letters, here on this channel. But we have one from Wildfire99 talking about um, that solution to the Z18, and it begins with one on the Zodiac Z13 cipher, actually. I solved the Z13 weeks ago. It says, too many to name. It says, my name is too many to name. The tip, hi, I am Robert, is the correct solution to the final letters of the Z18. Robert is the Zodiac. It's just Robert Ivan Nichols, not Robert Graysmith or the Robert you mentioned. That would be Robert Volvens. The pumpkin represents the giant pumpkin, and that's on the uh, Halloween card in the New Albany, Indiana Harvest Homecoming Festival and Parade, which takes place every October when the skeleton letter card was sent. Again, this is all from the Halloween card. Quite a coincidence. Also, there is a Willowick Park and Willowick Drive located in Eastlake where Robert spent his final years living, where he supposedly committed suicide. And that is again, of course, talking about Wildfire 99 and his suspect, Robert Ivan Nichols. But um, I think you can get the idea that he believes that the Zodiac was somebody else, also with the name Robert, just Robert Ivan Nichols. And then the solution to the Z18 is, of course, useful in his theory. And the next comment comes to us from Sandy Betts, who says, Hi, Ned. Here are my thoughts on the solution your friend put together. First, I notice, like many others have done, when they have a suspect. They tend to force the symbols and letters to fit the name of their suspect. However, I believe there have been many who have found the name Robert in the last 18 of the 408 cipher, also known as the Z18 code. If you take the solution the Hardens found in the last 18, even if they added a few letters to get Robert Emmett the Hippie, using 20 letters, there are five letter E's and three letter I's. Use those letters, unscramble them, and you will get, um, a something. There's like a little word left out. It me the Hippie, row beat equals 18. I think Robert V, meaning Robert Volvens, is too young and too tall to be the Zodiac. I also believe that the best clue that the Zodiac may have given was the desk poem at Riverside, where it was signed R.H. I have a solution to the Z13 that gives the first initial to a first name, being R, and the nine-full-letter last name. 
the three eights or possibly the year that he was born or his age at the time of the cipher his name is very common so he had no fear of putting parts of his name in two ciphers i'm looking forward to next week's episode hey sandy betts uh thank you so much for that and you can um see uh uh her take on the subject she is disagreeing with Sphere. but we did have a um two-part response from someone who not only wanted to respond to to sphere the cube but also Beeson also wanted to respond to the comment that was left on this episode by sandy betts drew Beeson is the author of the book sighting in on the zodiac killer as well as the host of the zodcast available here on YouTube, and he says that he does not agree with Sandy, and he also has some comments about David Orenchak and the ciphers, because he says, Orenchak and the team solving the 340 for better or for worse means that Orenchak is clearing house for all things Zodiac cipher related. Without his, at least partial endorsement, Zodiac cipher discoveries and his and ideas are held in a sort of purgatory he does love seeing other people's ideas, so he can't be blamed for trying to be the only person to have discoveries. I do tend to agree with him that without a cipher key, there are just too many possibilities for the Z13 and the Z32. Well, you heard very clearly, not even from Sphere, but Wildfire99 and Santi Betts, both in unrelated and comments here on this channel has said that they have solutions to the Z13, so there are many solutions indeed. Even if we had 100% confirmation of who the Zodiac was, we would still not know his name in the cipher. The pig Latin stuff is interesting. One thing I can say for sure is that people seem to be starving for new Zodiac material, so great idea on the new series. I think Jarrett Kobach is benefiting from the stuff in lull of the new Z-info. I did read where Orenchak did look at Doer's cipher stuff, whatever that is, and was not impressed. I cannot verify that. One other note on Sphere the Cube suspect. I do not agree that the concepts that Zodiac presented seem to be coming from someone with at least 30 years. Oh, uh, I do. I completely butchered that. This is a quotation. I should get it right. I do agree that the concepts that Zodiac presents seem to be coming from someone with at least 30 years of life experience. And um, that's referring to uh, what Sandy Betts said. However, this is um, the more important thing about disagreeing with Sandy Betts. But ruling him out for being six foot one is absurd. Cecilia Shepard, the victim at Lake Berryessa, gave a solid height description of the Zodiac as six feet tall in a daytime setting. Mike Majot, a surviving witness, saw the Zodiac killer at night, but he was sitting in a car with a bright flashlight in his face. The Robbins kids who saw the Zodiac killer after the Paul Stein murder were from a two-story window that night. Also interesting is that Falk initially said six foot to six foot one. I don't know why it got changed later. Also recall that Mike Michaud picked a six foot tall Arthur Lee Allen out of a photo lineup. Zodiac world is crazy. And I do want to read this one quotation again because um, it's very important that I don't misrepresent what Drew was saying. I do agree that the concepts that Zodiac presents seem to be coming from someone at least 30 years of age with 30 years of life experience. And so Drew Beeson, of course, has his suspect in the Zodiac Killer mystery named Donald Lee Cheney, who would have been in his early 30s at the time. However, um, 
I think he's showing some agreement and disagreement, disagreeing with Sandy for saying that the Zodiac is too tall, or anybody else in the comment section who was saying that the Zodiac was too tall, but it is an honest issue that every single researcher who is proposing a single suspect will face, because after the Blue Rock Spring shooting, Mike Michaud said that he thought the Zodiac was 5'8", the Robbins kids estimated that the Zodiac was 5'8", but if you're looking at somebody from a distance, they will appear shorter. I don't think it's in Drew Beeson's first video, I think it's in his second video that he made on his channel here on YouTube when he talked about how the Zodiac killer spent the most time with the Lake Berryessa victims. This was on September 27th of 1969 when the Zodiac is wearing the hooded costume and he approached Brian Hardnell and Cecilia Shepard, they had a conversation that could have gone up to 15 minutes even. There's a big gap in the transcript because Brian Hartnell couldn't remember what was said. And what Drew Beeson was talking about was that gave the witnesses the best opportunity to view and examine the killer's um, biometrics, for lack of a better term, his height and his weight and what did he look like, how did he sound, whereas um, Mike Majot was really not able to give precise info because he's being shot multiple times. Bullets are going through his body, which sounds incredibly painful. And um, that is just very simply um, the long and short of what I think Drew was trying to say. But we have a comment from Mike M., who uh, sent this in on the episode that came out over the weekend. And he says, My word, what a prosperous industry the Zodiac killings have has become for so many. Still going around in circles. I honestly believe that too many so-called experts have a vested interest in not wanting to accept that their theories are wrong. Why not just concentrate on known facts? For example, what is confirmed about the Paul Stein killing? We know his keys and wallet were taken by the killer. We do not de definitely know that his killer cut off a piece of Mr. Stein's shirt. Either the keys or wallet would have been sufficient proof of the killing. So. Why would any murderer delay their departure by cutting a piece of Mr. Stein's shirt? Who first noticed that the shirt was torn? When was it noticed? At the murder scene or at the morgue? Where is this discovery recorded and by whom? Tom Voigt failed to provide answers to these questions. People believe that the letters containing a piece of the, of the victim's shirt are definitive proof that the author of the letters was the Zodiac, and yet nobody knows who or when or how it was first noticed that the shirt was torn. Where is the evidence that the shirt was cut by the murderer? This lack of evidence suggests that the letter writer was not the killer. And anybody can respond to these challenge questions in the comments section down below. And um, that Tom Voigt is also called out by name for not um, answering these questions. My honest answer is, I don't know. This has definitely been something that's been explored in several different Zodiac killer theories about when was the piece of um, Paul Stein's shirt removed. And to provide, of course, the background info, Paul Stein was murdered in his taxi cab on October 11th of 1969, the final confirmed Zodiac victim, and his keys and wallet were stolen, as well as... A piece of his bloody shirt was cut and then torn off at some point. And at first, um, it does look like it was cut with a knife. It's done in a very neat rectangle, but if you zoom in on it, it does seem like it was torn and ripped a little bit. And then, but it is still a neat rectangular piece of his shirt was cut off. And that was mailed in with multiple Zodiac correspondences to prove that they were from the killer. So... I think that um, 
It's an important question. I wish I had a better answer for it. But I noticed that somebody left a very similar response on the episode that came out last weekend. This is from Nothing Rien, who says, Maybe Zodiac hoax theory still works. Because Mike M's comment ties directly into the Zodiac hoax theory, and uh, Nothing Rien says um, something that also seems like it is in favor of the Zodiac hoax theory, which is promoted by Thomas Henry Horan, author of The Myth of the Zodiac Killer, and he um, has a theory that just simply, they, they, these were unconnected murders, and that someone was writing letters taking credit for crimes that he did not commit. So what would he think about Robert Volvens as a Zodiac suspect? The same that he would say about everyone, that there was no Zodiac Killer, there is just a persona that was created and used by a letter writer, but not by the um, single serial killer who concocted this in some type of sad, lonely man revenge against the world theory. No, um, but an important um, detail is not only about the shirt, but also that um, Thomas Henry Horan has proposed a solution to the Zodiac Z18 code, which Fury has done as well, and they both have found the name Robert in it. Firstly, there's Robert Emmett the Hippie from Graysmith, but Thomas Horan's solution is Robert Smith II, because Graysmith legally changed his name to Robert Graysmith in 1976, I think, don't quote me on that. Prior to that, he was known as Robert Smith II, sometimes written as Robert Smith Jr. Gray was his middle name, and he merged them two to get the, the two of those together. And if you read The Myth of the Zodiac Killer, you can see how Thomas Horan came to the solution that the, there's a misspelling in the Zodiac's 408 cipher, the word dangerous is spelled D-A-N-G-E-R-O-U-E. The S is missing, which means that you can substitute one of the one of the um, E's in the Z-18 with the letter S, so it reveals Robert Smith I-I, like meaning Robert Smith. And uh, I think in the first interview I ever heard with Thomas Horan, he even said that this was most likely done because why would someone um, reveal the correct spelling of their middle na of their real name? Oh, I think that was a, maybe not in the interview, but maybe it's in his book, actually. Someone is not going to reveal the correct spelling of their name because it's a fail-safe. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's hiding in plain sight. And even if somebody figures it out, you would just say, no, that doesn't say Robert Smith II. That says Robert Smith II. But you'll see very easily that this seems like a system that should use all of the misspellings not just one, and um, somebody, I don't know his name, but he expanded upon Thomas Horan's model about dragging down the misspellings and substituting them for the um, correct letters, and he expanded upon this in an episode on Thomas Horan's show, and he came up with Seth meet Robert Smith at Pier 2, which I think is fascinating, like if this were some type of CIA operative thing going on, and you got the message in the paper, and now it's all in code, but um, only certain people can figure it out. But I would like to go back to this issue with the shirt, because Tom Voigt of ZodiacKiller.com, who was called out by Mike M., has been the absolute largest critic of the Zodiac Killer hoax theory, saying that it is ridiculous and implausible to think that the shirt was stolen from the crime lab and then mailed in with Zodiac correspondences by a hoaxer because the crime lab was very securely guarded and it's preposterous to think that it was not locked. I just wanted to give all sides of the story. But um, 
do you think about the um, piece of Paul Stein's bloody shirt that is mailed in with Zodiac letters? Is that done by the killer, or is that done by a hoaxer? You can respond in the comment section down below. Our next comment comes to us from Stupid Minotaur, who says, Men don't stop growing till age 25 or 26. He could still have been growing a very late bloomer. Okay, so um, the uh, comment here from Stupid Minotaur refers to that whole thing about how six foot or six foot one is too tall to be the Zodiac Killer. I was just talking to somebody who told me that he was six four, not like I have a meter stick or anything or a measuring tape. And, you know, he's a tall guy. He said he was six foot four. And he grew four inches after he was 20 years old. And then he would tell people that, and they'd be like, no, that's impossible. You stop growing when you're 18. And then his simple response was, well, it happened to me. When I was 18, I was six feet tall, and now I'm six foot four. That's what he said. And I have no reason to doubt him. And that's completely consistent with what Minotaur has said right here. Yeah, I completely follow what you're saying, that maybe this guy, Robert Volvins, was five feet ten and a half inches tall in 1969, and then by the time he was um, 25, then he was like a solid six feet tall. I comprehend that, and I suppose anything's possible. Our next comment comes to us from Daniel Webster, who says, You definitely got me intrigued. I mean, this is someone that could be prosecuted but I would need to see a lot more evidence because he is way too tall and way too young. And a lot of conflict going on on that subject. Daniel Webster has several more comments. I mean, this was during the era of free, love, and peace. So it is even the claim that it wasn't uncommon to have a flat top and glasses. It was actually pretty uncommon in that time, unless you were in the military, which in all probability the Zodiac was. However, the way he stopped at systems, I know don't know how that would work out. Well, I don't know exactly what it means about stopping at systems, but I think, though, there's something very important to note. When you look at the composite sketches of the Zodiac Killer after the Stein shooting, he has a short, crew-cut haircut, and he's wearing rimmed glasses. Now, the Zodiac said very clearly he only looked that way when he was doing his thing, so... Is it possible that the Zodiac had a different haircut for the other crimes? And that, I mean, Mike Majot seemed to have thought that the Zodiac had some reddish-brown in his hair, but then it seems like you maybe have a blonde suspect after the Stein shooting. And even at Lake Berryessa, they're saying that the Zodiac killer's hair might have gone down between the um, brow ridge, like even by his nose, and they could see it underneath the hooded costume. The honest answer is we have no idea what the Zodiac's hair looks like, and Daniel Webster's final comment is, it wouldn't automatically exclude him being six foot or six foot one. People are frequently wrong, and it was at nighttime, but in my opinion, he is both too tall and too young. So I think that, um, let's focus on the first part of that. It doesn't immediately exclude him. And Drew Beeson might have something when he says, even if the Zodiac turns out to be six foot one, then... People are going to be looking at someone from a distance, but that really is quite different than a five foot eight person. So it's really something that um, I think all of us will be on the fence about. Alec Collins proposes a different suspect, and he just simply wrote into the episode saying, William Andrew. 
William Andrews, the name of Zodiac suspect Macduff. His full name was William Macduff Andrew, and as I understand, he commonly went by the nickname Mac, Mac short for Macduff, and Mac Andrew was proposed by Mike Morford in 2021. Mac is on the other end of the spectrum. He was five foot eight, two hundred pounds in nineteen sixty nine, to the best of my knowledge, and he was someone who lived nearby the phone that was used after the Blue Rock Springs shooting. He had the dark rim glasses, but he had very large ears that protruded outward. And uh, some people think that that is something that just simply was not mentioned in the witness descriptions. He was someone who did not have a lot of close personal relationships with women up until the point where he got married in 1974. Or I shouldn't say that. I mean, in 1974, he got married. I don't want to guess and speculate too much. It's not reported that he had any any girlfriends in college or anything. He had a bachelor's degree from Chico State University, but he also went to junior college, and that was one thing that Morph wanted to be clear on. He had six years of college education, bachelor's degree in sociology, but in terms of witness descriptions, he was 23 years old at the time of the Zodiac crimes. The Lake Herman Road murders, excuse me, and then has his 24th birthday. So then, Macduff was five foot eight and two hundred pounds. He must have been a rather bulky guy for being twenty three. I am thirty four now, and this is the first year that I ever weighed two hundred pounds. I'm five foot eight as well. And I mean, at twenty three I was much, much lighter. Well, I think I've told this story before. I lost a bunch of weight when I was twenty three, so I ended up being hundred and forty five pounds. Now I'm two hundred, and it shows. But um I think you can get the idea. Our next comment comes to us from Stefan Nyberg, who says, This is very interesting. I, ho I do hope this leads somewhere. Volvin sounds quite promising as a Zodiac suspect. Super Strike 9 says, I'll be shocked if the Zodiac revealed his identity in any of the ciphers. If anything, he tried to hide his identity by doing things like wearing disguises. For example, at Lake Berryessa. Off the top of my head, I also recall that in one of his letters, he mentioned that he didn't want to get caught because it would stop him from collecting slaves for the afterlife. It's possible Zodiac's name is in one of the ciphers. Ted Bundy gave his real first name to people, but I don't think it's probable. And then we have one from Classic Chevy Cat who says, Putting aside Tom Holt and Kathleen John, something that has always bugged me is, why did the Zodiac killer write by rope, by knife, by gun, by fire, especially by fire? Why the by fire? I was trying to research if there was an arsonist loosed in around Vallejo in the mid-late 1960s, came up with nothing. However, the Zodiac may be from elsewhere. Now I'm wondering, if he set a fire to cover evidence someplace, maybe he was a kid who set his house on fire. I'm not sure that Kathleen Johns was being driven around by the Zodiac. R.I.P. to Kathleen. She could have been driven by him. We can't be 100% sure. The Zodiac could have just tossed in by fire. My thoughts are that he had some experience with fire. I think this particular show is intriguing. Very interested in hearing more. As a matter of fact, this show and the ideas presented really have me pondering. Thank you to your friend. And that's referring to Sphere the Cube, also known as Sphere. And my response to uh, Classic Chevy Cat was, Hi, so just some possibilities. When I talked to Michael Cole, author of the Zodiac Revisited Trilogy, he brought up the possibility that the Zodiac committed a crime near the spring bring Equinox in 1969, that the crime was unsuccessful, 
So the Zodiac's trying to commit crimes by rope, by knife, by gun, by fire, which he would include on the Halloween card in 1970. Now, did he try to commit a crime in between Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs, and it was just unsuccessful, the victims got away, he executed it poorly, and the victims were not murdered? Maybe. Anything's possible, right? Number two, though, Rick Hansen, who was a former Daily Listener to the show, longtime BBOR fan, proposed that when it comes to the word gunfire, which works with Lake Berryessa, which was committed by rope and by knife, that means that the word gunfire contains the word gun and fire. When you shoot a gun, it's called firing at right, so gunfire, that means by gun, by fire. The shootings that the Zodiac committed were the Lake Herman Road murders, the Blue Rock Springs, and the Stein shooting. Those are crimes committed by gunfire. The Lake Berryessa stabbing would have been committed by rope and by knife, although the Zodiac only wrote by knife on the card war. But that's just it. Gunfire, rope, and knife. They're partnered together, so all the boxes on the Tim Holt Wheel of Death have been checked. And number three, based on the position of the death wheel on the cover of the Tim Hole comic, the plan could have been to announce crimes by gun and by fire, sorry, by gun and by knife, and not by rope and by fire. And that's something that has been alluded to on ZodiacCyphers.com, run by Richard Grinnell, that um, it might just be that, that the Zodiac did indeed commit a crime by rope and by knife, but chose not to announce that to the world. And thank you so much to everybody who has listened to this um, series that I have just started on Zodiac Killer, the Moraga Letters, as well as the people who tuned in for the episode on the New Orleans Axeman, and of course the regular Anything Goes Friday listeners. But right now, I would like to get to the shout-outs on buymeacoffee.com. Anybody who makes a contribution or donation to help support the show will get a shout-out on Zodiac Mondays. And we have one from Aaron White who says, Absolutely love your videos. I added you on Facebook the other week, so you remember my name. Keep up the amazing work. It's appreciated so much. Aaron, thank you so much, and um, I appreciate all of you. And we have one from Floyd Black 53 who says, Ned, I'd rather help you in the channel than the government. Awesome. You have integrity. Times are getting tough, so thank you for the most excellent content. Well, um, I mean, thank you too, and you guys are always, always high in my book. But because I just read off those supporter shout-outs, we did have that comment from Mike M., who said, My word, what a prosperous industry the Zodiac Killings has become for so many. I did say this in the episode that Mike M. was commenting on, but I want to reiterate it, that that series, Zodiac, New Discovery, The Moraga Letters, is not monetized. I also am not going to feature any promotional materials about my book, Killer on a White Horse, or about the merchandise for the show. Absolutely not. And I say this all the time. I've said this a million times, so here's a million and one. When someone is making a documentary or writing a true crime book, they are not profiting from the crimes and tragedies themselves. They are profiting from the analysis but it's not my analysis that is mostly shared in that series. Firstly, it's from Sphery. These are his observations. Secondarily, the entire motivation for that series was simply to just put out Zodiac findings to see what other people think about it. To see how other people would respond to it. Like, hey, is, is there any credibility to this? Is he on to something? I mean, 
he like he he openly wanted that and not to write a book or to do a documentary with a filmmaker and hire a production crew no it's just to present the findings so that series is absolutely not done for profit and again as as far as i know sphere has not shared this um info to any other outlets or the the entirety of the info that i have seen meaning that nobody is earning a dollar or a cent off of that series so okay i mean sometimes people sell things for profit sometimes they do not and i just think that needed to be uh said one more time thank you so much to everyone who has listened to this episode here on zodiac mondays going to be a shorter one but i really wanted to focus on the zodiac suspect robert Volvins, as well as the comments that you left on the episode entitled zodiac killer new discovery the morocco letters part one please tune in for part two next week and tell me what you think about the handwriting Tell me what you think about the explanations for the misspellings and the writing style and the word arranging. Tell me everything. Tell me about the Zodiac's age and height. I want to hear from you. Please put your ideas in the comments section down below. Anybody can write the show at blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com. You can also get me on Facebook. My personal Facebook is in the description box. And there is always blackboxned88 on Instagram. And I will see you over there for the bonus podcast. Until next time.